What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined this week by my co-hosts, Shu and Raul. Um, wanted to kind of get on here and react a little bit to the big win. Uh, Kay's last last trip to the Dome went out with style. Uh, before we hopped on, though, I was kind of thinking back. I was like, you know, was this the most dominant win that Duke's had over there? And before I kind of jump into it, I, I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts. I mean, I think that's open to debate. Um, I know that it's not the most dominant win just by the margin of victory because we were talking about that a little bit before the podcast and I looked it up and it was 93 to 68 in 2002. But the thing about that though, is that the gaps between those teams going into the game was perceived as larger, right? Uh, That was a really bad year for UNC. Was that the eight and 20 year? Do you guys remember? Yeah. 2002 should have been. Yeah. That sounds right. Yep. Right. So everybody and Duke was like number one on Ken Palm all year and really dominated. Exactly. So kind of that was an expected blowout, sort of like the uh, 8250, you know, in Cameron, of course, in 2010, that was an expected blowout. But this, you know, Ken Palm only had us as a three point margin of victory going in, like we talked about on the last pod. So the way we kind of dismantled them. Maybe shouldn't have been surprising uh, given how they'd done against quad one teams, but at the same time, it surprised me. Apparently, it didn't surprise Josh, though. <laughs> I know. I was super close, man. I thought we were going to, I was hoping we would push for it, but um, yeah, no, I, I thought uh, coming into it, like you guys said, I mean, every good team they've played, they've, they've been smacked and smacked pretty good. I think GP said on his podcast that their average margin of defeats, like 18.6 points in those quad one losses. I mean, um, we had them down 28. We, <laughs> I was pulling for a 40-point win, but, you know, I'm not that greedy. I'll take the 20. Um, that was cool. You know, they didn't want to honor K uh, before the start of the game. They did some little picture, you know, behind behind the scenes. I don't know if you guys saw that with Shire and uh, and Coach K, Roy, and and Hubert. Yeah, the which, past, you know, present, future thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was that was a nice touch, but, you know, to not publicly do anything. I think Ben Swain put it on Twitter, and I kind of agree with this. Like, imagine how insecure your program is. You're a top-five program of all time, and you can't even acknowledge, like, what K's done for the rivalry, at least, you know. Um, so, you know, they didn't want to honor, honor him, and uh, we walk out there with a 20-point win. Wendell's checking out their cheerleaders. Yeah, well, that's what I said too, right? Like, I want to go take it. I want yeah. to go take it. And that's from the tip, we did it. And I think I said 91.68 on the pod. And we're sitting there, it's 85.57 with like three minutes to go. And I'm like, all right, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to get it. Um, we kind of, you know, pulled the plug there at the end. But I mean, shout to K, got Severino on the floor, that, on, you yeah. know, in the dome. That's pretty it, baller status move. That that's, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah if, if you want to blame anyone for that, it's uh, probably uh, Blake. I'm guessing <laughs> he came in and was uh, pretty horrible in those last yeah, few minutes. Yeah. Well, and Joey had two turnovers in the yeah. final like 90 seconds, and it's just like, all right, whatever. But um, I mean, it's yeah. like at, at that point, you're putting in a lineup that's like basically never played together. So you know what? It's almost expect? worth the eight points just to right. say like, look who's on the floor for us the final three minutes <laughs> of the game. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw Savarino, but as the you know. Clock was winding down. He was, you know, waving to the crowd. So it was, uh, it was. So I've nice. caught a ball out of bounds at like the eight minute mark and looked like he was ready to go in. He already knew. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I'm getting in on this one. Like, <laughs> let me do my stretching. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, you know, 
going back to that, the first thing that came to my mind was like 13, because that was kind of one of the more recent ones where we just went over there and dominated. And then obviously, oh, two. But this has got to be up there. And for it to be his last was was obviously nice. I mean, just to come right out of the gate and just knock him in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, that's what we talked about, too. Like, come out and punch him in the in the mouth because they, they've had that happen before. And normally they fold, you know. Uh, they yeah. start pressing, turning the ball over, taking bad shots. And, and they did that, you know. Well, um, and we just answered part. everything, right? Yeah. I think we had, like, a 21 or 23-point lead, like, two or three different times. Like, it like way different chunks, right? Not like you got it, they score, you get it back. But right. throughout the different different parts of the game, um, yep. obviously so, destroyed them on the glass was nice. And GG Jackson in attendance to see that. So, you know, hey, what side do you want to play for? This side or the ones over here, you know, celebrating and enjoying the night, having a good time, you know? Yeah, John John Watson from the Devil's Den uh, tweeted about that. I can't remember the exact wording, but, it, you know, it was something cryptic. He didn't mention GG Jackson by name, but, you know, he's like, if hypothetically a recruit were in attendance trying to choose between these two schools, which one would he pick? You know, and I thought that was pretty funny, but clearly a nod to Jackson. So I thought I'd give a little shout out to John there. Right. Like, what's the pitch to him after that? Like, hey, did you see what Manic did? Like, you can go out there and score 40 and we would only lost by one. I mean, I guess the pitch is save our program, but I don't think that's as strong a position as come in and join a loaded team with a chance to win a title, right? Especially if you're sitting there watching it and Duke's arguably best player was their worst player that night, and they still basically were up 25-plus, like cruise into a victory. Um, that was probably the most impressive thing is outside of Paolo, who I thought would be a monster, um, pretty much everyone was just awesome for Duke that we put in the game. I mean, Joey had some kind of moments, right? Like, I, I really wanted him to hit that open three, like, at the yeah, when he first checked in, and that would have yeah. just, like, I think that would have made it like 24 to eight or something. Yeah. Um, I think it ended up being that anyway. Yeah. No, I, th- I mean, Paulo came out of the gate hot. I mean, he hit, uh, hit that spin around off, you know, and they started Baycott on him, which I don't know that puzzled me. We've been talking about matchups all week, you know, um, I've never thrown the, uh, the idea of Baycott on, on Benchero for any reason. And um, so, you know, Baycott's guard him. he spins around him, hits the first little, you know, mid-range jump shot, then hits a three, you know, a minute later, and and we're off to the race, you know? Yeah, but that's, this, the shots he was taking there even kind of indicated to me what kind of night he was going to have, because I think a lot of his production goes the way of his shot selection, right? So he starts with two jumpers, and he happens to hit them, but then he kind of falls in love with the jumper, and really let leaky black off the hook. I don't want to dwell too much on the negative of like Paolo's performance because like Josh said, everybody else played fantastic, but you know, I have noticed the last couple games, he's kind of reverted a little bit to that sort of mid range, happy catch at the elbow Paolo. And I'd like to see him posting up a little bit more, especially against a skinny guy like leaky. Um, or even if it's not a post up, like catching, the ball in motion going towards the hoop. If we could run something like that for him, like we used to do that for Zion, because um, you know you got a big, powerful body. You catch you catch him coming off a curl or something. He's got the ball. He's already going downhill. That's going to be unstoppable, and it's a lot easier for him to get in the lane doing something like that than just kind of dribbling back and forth trying to beat his man one on one. 
And he was like the only person that couldn't do that. Like yeah, exactly. Carolina couldn't couldn't keep us out of the lane. I mean, whoever wanted to get in the lane last night was doing it, kind of except for Paolo. And you're right, it's hard to be too disappointed, you know, in a 20 point game where you're cruising the whole time. But I was watching it kind of just like, you know, and, and who knows whether or not he called him out for being soft. I kind of hope he did personally. But then to turn around and almost like play the softest game on the floor after doing that was a little. I mean, he hardly got anything like around the rim in terms of catching like right at the rim. There was just nothing there early in the game after that, you know, it was four minutes in. He he went to drive Baycott that got Baycott, you know, hip checked him. That got Baycott second foul, um, which was huge for us, because I think, you know, even though we were up like 12, we kind of, you know, really kept the pedal down with Baycott out. Um, but then they they started playing him with with Leaky Black guarding him. And, you know, props to Leaky Black. He caused a lot of. A problems for Paulo, to be honest with you. Uh, most he got of the game him under him. He really bothered him for sure. Made it tough for him. Um, but you know, the other guys stepped up and and you know, we went on that huge, huge run for the first 10 minutes of the game. I think we scored 31 points in the first 12 minutes. Um, but then the old Duke Lowell comes in and for some reason we only score eight over the next eight minutes. Yeah, I had a little bit of a slip there. And I, I guess in I'll in the Palo talk on this, but if there's one kind of good thing about him playing this way and us still like kind of dominating the way we did is he still has that tape to kind of go back and get fired up for, for when they come to Cameron. Right. Cause right. I wouldn't expect him to play that way um, to get kind of, to really kind of lose his matchup. Right. He was probably the only person on the floor that lost his matchup. Um, if you consider him and manic matching up together with manic, it was like not strictly Palo on manic, Right. So it wasn't, it's not all on him. There was definitely a bad closeout that he had that allowed Manic to hit a three, but that wide open three. I think we yeah. called timeout right after it. He, he lost them. I, I noticed that same one and I didn't want to dwell on Paulo either. But, you know, you got to see ball in, man. And he turned his head and Manic's a good three point shooter and he's a veteran. He knew, he saw it. He knew exactly what to do. He went straight to the corner. Um, by the time the ball got kicked around, Paulo was still standing at the free throw line. I mean, it wasn't anyone mm-hmm. 15 feet near him. Yeah, and there, I think he closed out pretty hard, but at that point it was too late. Um, so, but AJ also closed out late on him. Uh, Keels had one where I think it was a miscommunication between him and Moore. So I don't know if it was just what we were prioritizing. We were kind of like not focused on Manic because we were more focused on shutting down their guards and Baycott. That's possible because it's like you can only take away so much. But I thought that other than letting manic go off and Paolo not having his best game you know everything else pretty much went perfectly and the nice thing is we still have room for growth like Josh said um like they Carolina still shot pretty well from three mostly manic but you know they only had eight turnovers and they got their butts kicked right you know you expect manic is not going to score like that in Cameron you expect Paolo is going to have a better performance. Um, we've been really good at guarding the three all year. You'd expect we could do that a little bit better. Um, now, Carolina might improve on some things too, like Baycott only had five rebounds. Um, they scored terribly around the rim. You know, I'd expect Baycott to maybe improve a little bit in the rematch, but at the same time, we could have won by more. And they look gassed too. And I haven't seen a Carolina team look gassed in what probably my entire life, <laughs> the way like Roy played and even Dean to an extent, but definitely with Roy of, you know, 10 deep, regardless of who's who you got on the roster. I, I think Manic played the entire first half. 
Um, and you could just tell he just was gassed. Those guys, we just kind of ran him into the ground. I mean, Roy um, would be playing guys like Playtech. I mean, you can't tell me Dunn and Styles aren't better than where Playtech was, right? Like, I mean, they can at least give you. And I think a lot of Carolina fans are upset with that too. Like, hey, you got these guys for a reason. You know, we brought them in here, put them on the floor. They can't do any worse than what our starters are doing. And you're right, Manic was gassed. I mean, the start of the second half, you know, um, they had him on AJ and, you know, it was, a, was an 11 point halftime lead. And then AJ just goes on a 10 0 tear by himself to start the second half. And, and that puts the game away again. I don't, I don't think they ever got it closer to 16 after that. Yeah, AJ just went went off, um, really torched Manic too. But, but shouts to Manic, you know, I was kind of giving giving him hell a little bit in the game thread. But uh, I, I mean, mean, he kept him. He in played it, his you know? ass off, dude. Like he was out there, like hustling and just trying to get back. I mean, he wanted it. The other guys didn't really. I mean, Love was a train wreck. That was the best part of the game, probably to me. After he torches us last year for to just yep. come out, and we were in his head from the get go. I mean, more in particular was amazing on him. I thought. Um, just making it hard for him to dribble, catch, whatever. And then Mark around the rim, he only had two blocks, but how many airballed layups did they have? Yep. I was just about yeah. to say, so, so many, many floaters so many. and just he like had love prayers. Threw one, love threw one over the backboard, you know, when Mark came around. So <laughs> Manic did something kind of similar too on yeah, that he, little like that, that was on Paulo, but he just kind of yeah. flipped it up. But, you know, going back to Mark earlier, you know, Mark played incredible defense on Baycott. I think Baycott scored on Mark that very first possession. He went around him for a layup, didn't score him on him after that. I think it was like one for six against him going in the post. And some of those shots he threw up didn't even draw iron. Like Mark really bothered him, which, you know, helped us out. Like you guys said, you can't shut everybody down, but maybe that was the game plan was to limit Baycott, limit love. And we did that beautifully. Well, and Mark played strong, probably one of the strongest games that he's played at Duke because we were talking on the last podcast about how Baycott's going to want to try to get in his body, and that's not really what Mark wants. Um, but Mark was, I mean, he was moving dudes around. Like some, I mean, he only got, I think, six rebounds, but like they were they were big rebounds. I think he had two and ones, got the second foul or the first foul on Baycott, I guess, and then um, that one on Manic to once they had closed it to 16. Well, I thought, you know, he could have ended up with more rebounds, but we were gang rebounding so well. Like uh, when Mark was, you know, contesting a shot, somebody was always coming in behind him, multiple players, in fact, to, you know, make sure we got the defensive rebound. And that showed up in the box score where, what was it, 41 to 25, I think, in the rebounding advantage, something like that. They had six offensive rebounds, which might be the lowest we've allowed it's right. been a long time, maybe the season. Yeah. You know, they're not quite the rebounding team they have been, but at the same time, you know, they're still a great defensive rebounding team, um, and they're not horrible on the offensive glass. So to out-rebound Carolina by, you know, 16 or whatever, when that's always been our issue with them, you know, every game we see this, right? Uh, even close games, even games we win, I believe there was one in Cameron – where they had 50 more rebounds than us. And we lost the game by hmm. three. It was t- 2016. But just yep. think about that. 50 more rebounds somehow. Wow. Um, and to compare that to this, where they had 24 total rebounds, uh, you know, it was just such a pleasant change. Uh, coming back to Mark, though, um, I think we talked about this last night after the game ended. His verticality, 
his ability to contest without going for the highlight block, I thought was like a big moment of growth for him. I don't know if it was just, you know, maybe he'll kind of revert to chasing every block in the next game. You know, it might've been a a game plan that was just kind of drilled into his head, but if he could carry that going forward where he realizes I'm seven, one just need to put my arms up in the air and you're probably not going to score over me. Only really go for the block if you know you're going to get it. Yeah, I mean, the threat alone is worth enough, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it goes back to like last the last week with Steve, and we were talking about um, how we kind of switched the ball screen defense a little bit and how it, that's benefited Mark. But we've, we've allowed Mark a little more freedom too, like when we're in, in space for him to just kind of occupy that. So he's seeing things head on instead of trying to rotate, help side block everything. So I think that's been, you know, a really big help as well. Um, but, you know, I guess going back to the game at large, it was you know, the cliche, a game of runs, but it just went to show how much better Duke was than Carolina because our runs were like pushing it to 20 and theirs were trying to get it to within 10, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was a little concerned at halftime, not, not super concerned, but a little bit in terms of like, I really don't want this to even be a ball game after being up 23. So, you know, Thank God for AJ Griffin just coming out and just just torching him. Um, what do you have like a ten o run by himself or something? Yeah, yeah, ten o run all manic too, I believe. Um, mm. You know, just getting his way, hitting threes. Well, one of them they tried to switch off. Uh, Baycott came out was just too late. He had already hit a three. Um, had blown by manic. Um, you know, the thing I like about AJ is that he can absorb that contact and still have that soft touch, like. Um, he did it several times early in the game to get that big start where I think might have been Leakey was guarding him at, at that time where he just kind of got by and took the bump. I think one of them he didn't finish and they called some BS call. I don't that arm bar thing? Or yeah, whatever. I don't know what they that called on him, but I was like, all right, whatever, dude. Yeah. Like, we're we're drilling these guys. I'll let that them take trash. that. Yeah, take that call. So anyways, um, you know, he just finished a lot of those in con- with contact around the rim and some of them just soft that, you know, just creep over the front of the rim. Um, He's probably the best player since Kyrie for me in terms of like a player's awareness of like angles and space and not just like spacing in terms of the court, but just how much space I have to get off the shot, like how much space I have in between the defender. Can I get to the rim? Should I just pull up here? Um, Kyrie was obviously like a phenom at that, but AJ is probably the next one for me in terms of like, he knows exactly how much space he needs to get that step back three off. He knows exactly how much he needs, like when to pull up and shoot those little floater twos, which are somehow the softest shot I've probably seen as well. Like, can I mention his lefty dunk on manic? That was, I mean, that was my favorite play of the game. You know, South Paul's unite. That was, that was clutch. Yeah. It's weird that you brought up Kyrie because, I was actually thinking of the comparison more in the soft touch and how many shots bounce off the rim a couple times and drop in. To me, he's the best player that we've had since Kyrie at that. I mean, maybe Zion a little bit had a soft touch too. Yeah, he did. um, But that's the point. Look at the company he's in, right? We're comparing him to Kyrie and Zion in terms of his touch. But yeah, he just gets those floaters up. And, you know, even if they're not quite on target, it's just, it's dropped so softly on there that it's just, you know, eventually uh, goes in. And compare that to Keels, right? What right, we've been exactly. talking all year about with Keels, how he shoots it so hard and like so direct. There's no room there, whereas AJ has so much room for error. 
The other thing that impressed me, and I think we've only really seen this in the Wake Forest game other than this one, was how well he kind of probed once he got into the lane, right? His kind of change of direction, his shiftiness, his change of speed. Um, I was actually kind of mentally comparing it to, you know, obviously he's nowhere near the player this guy is, but I was mentally comparing it to Doncic. Like Mm. the way that he's not blindingly fast, he just kind of dances back and forth, you know, gets around somebody, kind of gets him on his hip, um, you know, slows down, speeds up, goes, you know, makes a quick lateral movement. But yeah, just the craft there was uh, really impressive. And it was nice to see him, you know, doing more than shooting threes. Because even though he's a 50% three-point shooter, and we, we've talked about wanting him to take a lot of them, still it really opens up his game if he can actually get to the rim. Especially when they're closing out. Every time, like, Manning started trying to close out on him, he was just killing him off the bounce. Um, but I guess, you know, before we we've kind of hit on all the, the major players here. So if you had to choose your player for the game, who you got? I mean, it's got to be AJ, right? It's career high, uh, freshman, you know, 18 years old, walks into the Dean Dome. Um, I think what was that? The Was he the fourth highest score, freshman score against Carolina? So, um, yeah, you had a RJ, RJ uh, Zion. Zion. I think Austin had 28 or 29 in the Dome. Yeah. He had yeah. With the, you know, obviously the famous shot of, of yeah. you know, the Austin's, biggest but, three yeah, points like, in, in the yeah. Dome. Yeah. So it has to be AJ, right? Like he was, I thought he was pretty phenomenal, you know, all game. Um, he might've had three turnovers. One of them, he dribbled off his leg there kind of before half. One of them was a, was just a, he tried to throw a lob to Paulo, which he, yeah. he should have shot. You know, he should have yeah. shot that three. He knew he knew he should have shot it. You're on three. a 10-0 run, bro. Shoot. Yeah, shoot that <laughs> ball. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I think it was a case of him trying not to be selfish you know what i mean it's like he'd taken the last four or five shots he's like oh, i better pass it um and sometimes that's not the right move um yeah. but good impulse um i mean i like it it's fine it's you know team player but yeah at the same time dude you're on 10 or run yourself shoot that thing and he shot it with less space before that's what the weird thing he had more <laughs> space there than he normally does i don't know yeah i mean i think aj has to be the player of the game I would want to give a shout out to Moore though. I think this is the best Wendell Moore game we've seen in a while because his offense has really been, you know, not an issue because we've been winning games, but he's been struggling a little bit offensively. You know, he's been giving incredible defensive effort and shutting down the other team's best player. So he's still been adding value, but, you know, he had like a three of 10 game, a four of 10 game. This game, he goes five of six. All his shots are layups. Um, he should have gone six to six. He made that awesome move, floats through the air and just kind of, you know, you know, put enough spin on it. Right. Exactly. To be fair, he was like moving fast and he changed direction. So, you know, I didn't, you know, I thought that was kind of an understandable miss, but five assists, zero turnovers, eight rebounds, 13 points really filled up the box score. So if you had to kind of pick your second most valuable player, I might go with him. And he shut Caleb down. Right. right especially like, considering yeah. that. Right. And, yeah. I was going to go with Dell too, just for all those. And I think that that shot that he missed in real time and game time, I was frustrated because he did all of that work to avoid, to like kind of get an open look. And I was just wanting him to like body Baycott, dude, he's right there. He's got two fouls. Don't try to avoid it. 
Um, but I thought he was just in control. He kept us kind of composed the entire time. Um, and, you know, obviously just shutting down love was huge. I guess I, I, I would like to give a shout out, though, to Jeremy Roach. I thought that he mm, kind yeah. of quietly was just really good um, and took a beating, too, man. Like, yeah, they just let some... Baycott just move all around up there on the perimeter. I think Roach got leveled like five different times, kept getting right back up, though, and just kept kept going. Um, so shout outs to him. He probably took it personal last year. Uh, love kind of gave him the, Get, gave him the business called a out. Bit. Yeah. Getting called out with that tweet, you know, everybody's a savage until they face one. I don't know if you guys saw Theo, you know, kind of threw that right back, uh, back at him after this one, Theo's two and O in the Dean Dome. So, you know, he can walk it, he can walk it and talk it, you know, walk it and talk it. So he was talking a little noise. What was it? RJ or Leaky or someone that tried to like muscle up to mark when we we're up 20 and i was sitting there just like man i wish that would have been theo <laughs> mark kind of let him you know like well, whatever get out of here dude theo would have would have bodied him at least you know at least mark got one head tap this game you know I, I love to see that too at least one and it was on like three dudes that was the yeah, nice part yeah yeah rj was trying to uh he was trying to start something for sure uh because did you notice in the backcourt like uh in the first half after keels came in I believe it was RJ who was like all up in his grill and Keels just basically elbowed him off and he's lucky he didn't call for, get called for an offensive foul, but he was, he was clearly, uh, you know, trying to stir something up for sure. And, you know, speaking of Keels too, I, I think like he deceptively on paper had a good game, but I still thought that he's not quite like back from where he was in terms of his movement. Um, he hit those two threes kind of yeah. in garbage time, you know, to make his stat line 11 points, three for four from three, but it was five points prior to that. He wasn't really um, doing a whole lot. Had some nice passes that like layoff that he had to Theo was nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought he was much better in the second half than the first. Yes. Cause when yeah. he came in in the first, that's when Carolina goes on their run and part of it was he took a a bad three. He had the 10-second 10 10 second violation. He stepped on the baseline. So there was definitely a little rust or nerves or something there. But then once he settled in the second, I thought he was really good. Yeah, I thought the second half he played much better um, than he did in the first half. But, uh, well, I guess that's about all I got, unless you all guys got anything left for Carolina. If not, we'll jump into Virginia. I mean – you guys know I like interact with a lot of Carolina fans on the daily. So, you know, for a couple months, this has been building up, you know, um, everything that, you know, Caleb love loves to play against Duke. So I was, you know, pretty giddy last night. I'm I'm not going to lie all night. I was, uh, you know, going through the box score, seeing what, what everybody did. Fiending for content there every, every night too. Yeah. Especially after like a big win like that, I'm refreshing for press conferences or podcasts or like, give me some kind of content. Just kind of more on a global perspective, um, this puts us really in command to win the ACC. And tying back to your uh, Carolina fan friends, right? They've been harping all season about how they're going to win the ACC regular season, right? And you know how Duke never does, and because it has been twelve years since we've won it outright. I think we tied once, but uh, yeah. So I mean, now we've got a like. We're one game. I guess it's technically half a game up from Notre Dame. Notre Dame. We're yeah. nine two. They're nine three. However, we have the tiebreaker. So even if they move into the same record, we'll technically win the ACC. And right. they're definitely our biggest threat. Carolina was a big threat, 
but we kind of pushed them, you know, we pushed them down in the standings a little bit there. So that was a nice added bonus, right? Uh, you know, getting to head into the ACC tournament with the one seed is something I care more about than winning the ACC regular season twi- title. I'm doing a uh, air quotes right now because I don't <laughs> think that that's that's not a title, right? But uh, it's not a real thing. But sure, yeah. yeah. But it'd be nice to win it, and just having that one seed um, just gives you a natural advantage in the ACC tournament. So and sets us up for the real one seed that we want, right? I right. think that's exactly. what the significance of the ACC regular season is. Is the past decade, it didn't matter if we got that because we could still get the one seed because we played well at a conference and there was enough ranked teams within the conference that we would usually um, could make up for it. But for this year, you know, I think it's going to be hand in hand. We need to win out. We need to finish this out these next nine games. And then I think we're right there in the one seed conversation again now. Um, five in a row, teams are losing all around us at the top. But um, so I guess we'll jump into Virginia. Before we do that, though, the, the one cool thing was last night was uh, – my daughter's first Duke UNC game. So that was pretty exciting. Um, the wife had to, it was her first night back to work too. So solo, solo dadding it up, um, you know, got a, got a big dub. So that made staying up to two o'clock a little bit sweeter. Well, go. like I told you, um, every Duke UNC game from now on, you guys have to watch together. I yeah. Mean, at least until yeah. she goes to college or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, good sure. luck charm. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, there you go. My, my best friend, uh, his, it was his son's first as well. And he sent me a couple pictures, you know, with him rocking some Duke gear and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yep. Shuff's first with Nina too. So shout out to Shuff. Yep. Um, but, uh, so yeah, we got, uh, Virginia coming up next and we've kind of talked about that a little bit that this, this isn't the typical, uh, Virginia team, um, nowhere near the level of just like talent or, or play that they have been the last several years. Um, 83rd in Ken Palm, I believe. So just kind of hovering around that mediocre range. Uh, two and four in quad one, which is more in Carolina can say, I guess. Uh, three and three in quad two games. Um, anything standing out from this game that we should kind of hit on or that stood out to you guys when you were you were looking at Virginia? I think they're actually 88th on Ken Palm, 83rd in offense, 92nd in defense. So that's interesting that they're just not an elite defensive team, right? We've seen certain UVA teams most of them are really good on offense as well, but we've seen certain UVA teams struggle on offense, but be able to stay elite because they have a top 10 defense and seeing a UVA team be almost outside the top hundred in defense is pretty crazy. I'm going to attribute that mostly to age. Bennett usually has a bunch of upperclassmen and this year. It's really mostly sophomores and freshmen size might be a factor too. They're a pretty small team which could obviously play into Duke's advantage. The matchup that Paolo will probably take will be uh, Gardner, and he'll have two or three, maybe even more inches on him. Kihei Clark is 5'9". So, you know, if Roach is guarding him, that's a rare uh, matchup where Roach has a huge height advantage. Franklin is 6'4", and he'll probably be matched up with AJ. Um, this is a matchup where we're favored by 14. So it's a comfortable win as expected, but you know, it is a quick turnaround. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts you want to add on it. Well, and they didn't, they beat Miami Saturday, right? I, I beat them by yeah, double digits or something like that. Looked pretty good. Um, I don't think they have any like other, like real marquee wins. When I was looking through it, they lost at home to Navy. Um, they won at Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, at Clemson. Uh, neutral against Providence, I think. It's decent. Yeah, yeah. nothing that like really terrifies you of like, 
you know, a team beating Providence is not exactly like. I mean, this isn't the, like you said. It's not the typical Virginia team, right? Like I believe, um, you know, earlier in the year, not to keep going back to everything GP said, but like if this this roster didn't have Virginia on, you know, on their jersey, would you, you know, consider that a, a preseason top twenty five team? Like they're they just don't have this even. You yeah. know, it's. Um, it's really more about Duke than it is Virginia, right? It's Duke coming off a big win on the road Saturday right. night and then coming right back quick turn the quick turnaround on Monday. Um, I think that's really going to be the the story. We should be pretty fresh, but you know, sometimes there can be a little bit of a hangover. I'm not expecting Virginia to come in there and win. That would be pretty shocking to me. Um, they're just going to muck it up, right? Like, I could see it like, being us not covering that 14, yeah. though, I guess. You know, I could see it kind of 7, 8, 10, 12, just because there's not going to be enough possessions to really push it anyway. Um, and, and beating a team like that, like Raul was saying, beating a team by 10 or 12 that's like the slowest in basketball is basically like beating them by 24 anyway. So, Yeah, I mean, if I was putting money on it, I would definitely pick Virginia to cover I just think the circumstances of getting up that emotionally for UNC and then having basically one day in between, like how much film do you really think we're going to watch on UVA? You know, it's probably just going to be a short practice and Kay is going to kind of keep the game plan the same, even though UVA is a very different team than UNC. So there might be some ugliness in the first 10 minutes and then he might have to make some adjustments or something, but we should win. Um, but like like Josh said, I'm I would think like seven to ten points would be a little more realistic. Yeah, I think I'm more nervous um, looking ahead to Clemson on Thursday just because of the way that they played us in Cameron, and then they they didn't really play well, but they shot the three ball well, and you know it's kind of been a trend that we've been able to overlook in our five game winning streak, but our three point defense seems to have kind of like came back to reality a little bit. Um, well, Clemson lost one of their starters, right? Um, yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, okay. Broken collarbone, I think. Um, yeah. I, I'm blanking on who it is, but one of their best players. Um, it's not PJ sure. Hall, though, right? No, it's not PJ Hall. It's one of the uh, Hunter. I don't remember. It was one of the wings, right? Little yeah, white yeah, kid yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, I'm guessing he was a three point shooter. Um, at least okay. I mean, so, everybody, well, but everybody on that team is so. exactly. That's what I'm saying. Everybody on that team shoots three. So yeah. Uh, so. Going back to the Virginia game though, isn't a, uh, for the 2023 recruiting guys, um, Jared McCain's going to be. In yeah. Yeah. At the Virginia game. I think on campus. He might now. be on campus now. I think. Yeah. 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 Pretty, uh, highly ranked shooting guard with good size. Um, He's supposed to be able to pair really nicely with Caleb Foster. You know, it should be a good defensive backcourt. Their skill sets kind of like are enough different where, you know, because Foster can play on and off the ball. McCain is listed as a shooting guard, but he's a little bit more of a combo. He could probably run your offense a little bit, kind of like, you know, Keels or somebody. Um, so that would be big, you know, to leave a good impression. You know, I don't think recruits decide where they're going to go to college necessarily based on the outcome of one game, but it can't hurt. Right. Yeah. Especially when you package in the whole, like just visit. And we've just from previous years of experience, we know that we kind of roll out the red carpet. We have a great presentation. The campus sells itself. If you've ever been to Duke's campus, right. It's just, you know, incredible. It's like its own little bubble right there in Durham. Um, yeah. So yeah, hopefully uh, 
hopefully we can get get that done. And um, if you haven't got a chance already, you know, head over to thedevilston.com and check out Steve's write up on uh, on McCain. And I'm sure he'll probably have something else coming too after the visit. But uh, yeah, I guess that's a that'll about do it, right? I mean, it's about all I got for Virginia. You know, hopefully we just we just show up. I think is the biggest thing. We show up. Keep playing like we've been playing. Um, one last Play like thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention before we got out of here is I looked up um, our last five games. Uh, so Bart Torvik, which is a site like Kimpom, allows you to do that. You can set the dates. And in the last five, we've been the second best team in the country. In the last three, we've been the best team in the country. And our defense, especially, is what's been carrying us. The offense looks a little bit ugly because we had that 57-point game versus Notre Dame. That's going to drag it down. But the defense has been number six in the last five games and number eight in the last three games. So, and I think it's reflected what our eyes have seen, right? Um, I know Josh was saying the three-point defense had uh, slacked off a little bit, but the overall defense, I think especially because of the defensive rebounding, has just, you know, increased exponentially. And I think that, that's where Duke can really find their ceiling and hit their stride. This team has best defense in the NCAA tournament potential. We're not nearly there yet, but I see the defensive ceiling of this team being basically unlimited. The offensive ceiling is a little bit more questionable because, you know, we only have one really truly great shooter. Um, Paolo can, you know, like we talked about, have questionable shot selection and, you know, more and keels and can kind of come and go, but I think we need to keep playing like we've been playing and uh, just, you know, build on that defensive improvement. Yeah. It's certainly, you know, um, trending upwards, right? Like I think we're how I feel about the team now compared to like two weeks ago is certainly now it's kind of like, okay, you know, we could, why not us again? Right. It's kind of, um, and the closer we trend towards that one seed, the more and more, you know, I'll feel better, even more better about it. But I mean, because we had gotten to a point where we were kind of on that three seed line, you know, and that's not where we want to be. Um, historically, really, for Duke, we, we kind of need the one <laughs> if you want to go back and look at tournament success. But still got a ways off from that. We got nine games left. Um, my 18 and two pick still looking, still looking all right. I don't, at this point though, I kind of don't, I'd almost rather go 17 and three if that'll win it, just because I don't know if I want to in this think we were going to end Run the season the on like thing. an 18 game winning yeah. streak or whatever it is um and i right. want the ACC tournament and the ncaa tournament right so there's nine already there but well clemson's our our lowest probability win left i think it's still 70 percent we still be favored by six in that game but 17 and three should be good enough to win the acc i don't see you know, I mean, the second best team already has three losses. Do we right. think yep. we think Somebody Notre Dame's going to win out? I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> so. Right. Honestly, sixteen and four could probably win it. Yeah. But, you know, I'd prefer to to stick with you know just maybe one more loss. Yeah. So you know, got a big week coming up. We'll we'll jump back on next week. Uh, recap the Virginia and uh, Clemson games, and I think we're planning to record the twenty twenty three pod next week. So hopefully, uh, have some good news about McCain or at least some updates after his visit. So head on over to the devilston.com. Check us out there. Um, and until then, keep the faces strong and the verb high. Go to hell, Carolina.